Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. My name is Claire Lehman and I am Editor-in-Chief of Quillette. Quillette is where free thought lives. We are an independent grassroots platform for heterodox ideas and fearless commentary. Our podcast is a team effort and is jointly hosted by myself, Associate Editor Toby Young and Canadian Editor Jonathan Kay. You can support our podcast by visiting patreon.com forward slash Quillette and becoming a monthly patron. By becoming a monthly patron, you'll also receive our weekly newsletter. Welcome to the Quillette Podcast. I'm Jonathan Kay. In recent years, some of the most selective public schools in the United States have become the focus of bitter debate. As with many bitter American debates, this one is about race. In particular, the question of how many blacks and Hispanics are getting into these schools. In New York City, diversity proponents have demanded that the best schools change their admissions criteria, since race-blind testing doesn't seem to generate a student mix that represents the wider diversity of New York schools. Over the past few months, this debate has also played out at Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology in Fairfax County, Virginia, which is by some measures the best high school in the whole country. Except that this diversity battle comes with a twist. That's because the lottery plan that diversity proponents had come up with to replace race-blind testing would actually increase the share of white students, along with the share of blacks and Hispanics. That's because the lion's share of students at TJ, as it's often called, are Asian. And while school board officials would never put it in these crude terms, their demand for more diversity is, in effect, a plan for fewer Asians. Not surprisingly, local Asian parents, as well as many white families, and some black families too, are telling the state government and local school board officials to get their hands off TJ's race-blind formula for success. With me to discuss this is Asra Nomani, the mother of a TJ student and the author, with Glenn Miller, of the recently published Quillette article, Rallying to Protect Admission Standards at America's Best Public High School. I spoke to her this week about why she opposes change to TJ's admissions methods and about what this local fight says about the treatment of Asians in America more generally. Here are excerpts from our conversation. What's so special about the school? So Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology is like no school that I've known. When my son arrived as a freshman in the fall of 2017, I walked into the school and one night at a parent-teacher event, went to, you know, go buy the what you think is going to be the customary pizza, and there was biryani there. So for any listener who doesn't know what biryani is, it's this like delicacy from India that um, is oftentimes the food of feasts like weddings or birthdays. Um, I'm just smiling remembering it because you know, I'm a American who was born in India. I came to America when I was four years old and grew up in the state of West Virginia. And And I've gone back to India many times and never in America, you know, felt this embrace like I felt there standing in my son's school in terms of the diversity of culture that we had. It's not even academics, you know, that's not even about science bowls or debate team. That's just about the people that are there. We have folks from 30 different countries speaking in their native languages, 30 different languages between Chinese New Year and then Diwali festivals and then, you know, the classic basketball and football games, like a perfect example of the melting pot in America. You had one child who went to that school? 
Yeah, I have one child who is going to the school. So you can imagine what that makes meetings with the principal and PTA look like for me as a parent. I'm still in the school. My son's still in the school. And yet I saw this big injustice happening and really felt like I had to speak out as a writer and and as a mom too. Tell me about how your son got into the school. The way a lot of these specialized schools are in New York City, in Boston, in San Francisco, in Northern Virginia, where Thomas Jefferson sits, the kids are evaluated one way or another academically. And so in New York City, there's a specialized test. In At TJ, there is a math, science, and English test that also includes logic. And so what you do is in eighth grade, anybody who's taken Algebra 1 and has a 3.0 grade point average can take this qualifying test to become a semifinalist for selection to TJ. What is really remarkable and very special about that kind of process is that it is 100% merit-based, 100% race-blind. And so it is, to me, like the exact values that somebody like my father came to America to enjoy, which is the values of meritocracy, the value of education as a great equalizer. Kids either have passion for STEM, which is what the focus of the school is, or they don't. And they may hear about the school early on. Some people call it a pipeline. You make sure that you have Algebra 1 by eighth grade. You uh, make sure that you know your grade point average is going to hit that 3.0. So kids really oftentimes plan for a TJ. Is it 100% merit-based? And talking about the previous system, was there any nod to what we would now call the politics of diversity? TJ was established in 1985 as a STEM school. It became one of the Virginia governor schools. So we have 19 of those schools in the state, and TJ was one of them. And so you remember like back to the 80s then, you know, America was very keen on issues of competitiveness and how are we going to compete with the rest of the world on on science, technology, engineering and math. So TJ was set up as a school that would take some of our brightest minds in those areas and really give them accelerated education because these kids could handle it and prepare them for programs in college and postgrad that would make them, you know, some of our top scientists and engineers and entrepreneurs too. What happened is that in the 1980s, we were about 70% white. And what has happened today is with new demographics in the county, we are now about 73% Asian. And we have another about 7% that's black and Hispanic. About 20% is white. The numbers have flipped on the racial demographics related to Asians and whites. And so the school came in the crosshairs of social justice movement this year when the admissions numbers came out for the class of 2024. And there was false data that was put out initially that zero black students had been accepted into that class. And so there was all these headlines and shock and drama that set the stage for this big push now to change TJ. You know, the number was definitely still low. Like it was that six black students had been accepted into this class of 2024. 
But just as an example of how wrong the next months became, one of the dads, a man by the name of Harry Jackson, one of the dads of the six students who are black that entered into the class, he is on record saying that the school board officials, the principal, alumni activists have basically used the issues of black and Hispanic students to put a hit on the Asian students with a new admissions plan that will actually most benefit white families. This is one of the aspects of the story that I found kind of man bites dog. Am I right that the proposed new diversity plan for the school would actually increase the number of white students? Absolutely, 100% true. Not even the NAACP, which ironically has thrown itself behind this new plan, denies that. Everybody acknowledges that white students will increase the most. This is a first for me. They're so anxious to get the numbers up for some groups that they're actually increasing the number of whites. Do people acknowledge how weird that is? I've been educated by fathers like Harry, who his parents grew up in segregated America. You know, he is first generation desegregated student. And he said, this is classic racial politics where the ultimate advantage goes to the white families. What is fueling all of this is critical race theory and this ideology that has taken root now in our educational systems among our policymakers that says that a system is ultimately systemic racism if it doesn't have results that are equal. And so TJ has been cast as this symbol of, quote, systemic racism. But the great irony is that a white superintendent with a white principal and a white governor of Virginia are the architects of systemic racism against Asians. And they refuse to tackle the reality of what they have created. They refuse to confront it. This is short-sighted, that ultimately what you're going to see in five years is a majority white school. It will be minorities as minorities, and we're all going to have been put in our place. And now, a brief commercial message. Since you're a Quillette podcast subscriber, I'm guessing you get automated software suggestions about other podcasts you might like. Well, here's a human suggestion from me. The Jordan Harbinger Show which you can find through jordanharbinger.com or at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Jordan's podcast is famous. Apple named it one of its best podcasts in 2018. And one reason is that Jordan Harbinger himself is such an interesting guy. Like me, he was a lawyer before he got into media, but very much unlike me, he lived an amazing life as a world traveler, getting kidnapped in Mexico and then again in Serbia, and he also ran a tour company that took travelers to North Korea. A few recent episodes I've listened to feature Harbinger interviewing an astronaut, a former Islamist, and a guy who was investigated by the FBI because he was informed on by his mentally ill father. If that's not worth checking out, I'm not sure what is. Just search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B, as in boy, I-N, as in Nancy, G-E-R. And now, back to our Quillette podcast. Let's talk about the underlying politics here. In the article, you describe these scenes of very multicultural parents and families having this protest. 
Are these liberal constituencies traditionally, like in this part of Virginia, are these people who normally would align themselves with democratic causes? Oh, yes. What we have here is a real example how traditional democratic politics is failing the minorities that traditionally vote democratic. And I'll just, I'll give you my example. I grew up, like I said, in West Virginia. I am really proud to have grown up in West Virginia because we were on the correct side of the issue of slavery. We became poorer because we chose to separate from the state of Virginia. So this is something that I breathed into my system and my soul growing up in West Virginia. I came when I was 10. I grew up in these mountains, you know, these the hills of the Appalachians embracing me. Well, when I moved to D.C. for work, I wasn't going to get near Virginia because I said, I'm not going to participate, you know, in a state that was on the incorrect side of history. Well, then 2008 happened. My son was in kindergarten. Long story, I got rats in my attic, the place we were living in D.C. But, oh, my gosh, John, so I had to I had to move real quick. Learned about this great school district in northern Virginia. The election had just happened. President Obama had been elected, and Virginia voted for President Obama. I said, okay, the state is finally ready for me. It will accept my diversity. I'm a single mother, not married. I'm, you know, Muslim. I'm born in India, and I'm a proud West Virginian. So this state will accept me. So I raised my son there by myself, right? I worked at many jobs that a single mom has to work, but also be a stay-at-home mom so I could run to PTA meetings and book readings at, at the school. And I raised him there, and then he took the TJ test, and it was a moment of great pride for our family that he won admission you know, into the school. So I'm a registered Democrat in Virginia. I voted down the ticket Democrat, but this is such a betrayal to the mostly Democratic families from Asian roots. 19% of the population in Fairfax County and neighboring Loudoun County is Asian. That vote can swing Virginia because it's Northern Virginia that gave Ralph Northam the That's state. That's the Democratic governor. Yes, that's the Democratic governor who many people might know for this yearbook scandal of having allegedly had blackface on his photo. That's relevant to this issue because he has been absent from this debate. He is a man who is supposed to be a centrist Democrat, but he has allowed a rogue education secretary with this campaign to hijack Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology. So hijack is a strong word. What is the new system that they've created instead of what you described as a purely meritocratic system? This is right now when students would be getting ready to take the test. Any week now, they would normally be taking the test. But what happened is that the Secretary of Education held secretive task force meetings this summer with the school superintendent, one board member, and the high school principal, in which they kind of laid the groundwork for this change to TJ admissions. And they just dropped it on the community in September. And in less than four weeks, the school board last week had a meeting. And it was supposed to be just an ordinary work session. But in 12 minutes and 11 seconds, and you know, I counted it, I in 12 minutes and 11 seconds, the 12 Democratic members of the school board 
gave a, a consensus of the school board to say that the TJ merit-based race-blind test should be eliminated. What's the new system? They decided to eliminate the system, and guess what? We don't know the new system. The school superintendent proposed an oxymoron of a plan called a merit lottery, and there was so much opposition that they did not commit to it as a new plan. They sent the superintendent to come up with a new plan, and he has until a November work session to present that plan. But in fairness, it's not a pure lottery. My understanding is the students have to hit certain academic benchmarks of excellence before they can be considered for the lottery, right? Oh my gosh, that's what's the irony of this whole debacle. The new benchmark is 3.5. And and if you remember, I had said that the previous GPA was 3.0. Why 3.5 now? Why is it higher? And then they have to take algebra also. That's the, the base entry. We just got the numbers. Most of the kids that are going to hit that benchmark are white kids again. Just so I understand, GPA requirement is higher, but the test requirement will be lower or perhaps not at all? The test requirement will be removed. And then they're going to have these euphemisms that they've created of a student portrait sheet that include ideas like how well you cooperate with others, how resilient you are, what 21st century skills you've got. The resilience oftentimes is used as a code for race. That's where they want to get your your racial demographic story. Then the next element will be they're going to look at, quote, life experiences, whether you're a free reduced lunch, whether or not you come from a school that hasn't traditionally sent kids to TJ. So again, they're, they're just doing the social engineering. From that metric, that kind of soft metric, they're going to pick 100 kids, the top 100 kids, okay? And then the other kids, 400 kids, are going to be picked literally from a lottery. This idea of merit is minimal at best. Ultimately, what they did was eliminate the one metric that we had to actually evaluate academic skills, and they've removed it and put in all these soft measurements. I actually think there is a principled moral case to make for affirmative action in certain contexts. What I sometimes wish is they would be more forthright about it, as opposed to sort of playing games with words. It is so intellectually dishonest. I get the need for diverse voices. I'm a woman. I'm a feminist. I salute and applaud sincere, honest efforts to have, quote, representation. What has happened is that a couple very dangerous moral issues have occurred. One is that there has been a targeted, orchestrated demonization and dehumanizing of Asian Americans. Is it really true that Asian people are are demonized in the United States? No, I'm saying in this context. The principal has spread this false rumor that families spend ten to fifteen thousand dollars, you know, on on test prep, and uh, the superintendent has run with that. The school board members have talked about the culture at TJ many times, like numerous times. They always talk about the culture, and and I, I told you all at the beginning, like just how just exciting it was for me to be a part of the quote culture at TJ, and they have just cast it as this ugly, racist, toxic place that is unacceptable in their in their woke world. And the superintendent went so far as to say that, quote, students of color do not feel welcome at TJ. And my son is a student of color. 70% of the kids are Asian and they're students of color. 80% are Asian 
black or Hispanic. So they whitewash us. And this is another you know, tactic of critical race theory that successful Asians become discarded as, quote, white adjacent. This has been an argument by Imran Kendi. The character of, of Asian American kids is now being denigrated uh, be, just because they happen to be academically solid or successful. But these kids are human beings. Like they struggle. They're teenagers. They're living through COVID. That's why the mama bear in me was awakened because, look, there's a big fight on policy. There's a big fight regarding activists. But what I don't appreciate and what I will not accept is this caricature of students who are so hardworking. Like I, I did, you know, hall monitor duty. Oh, my gosh. Like these kids, the worst they might do is, you know, snuggle with a boyfriend or girlfriend underneath the stairs. What is so infuriating is that the Fairfax County Public School System puts out press release after press release on the accomplishments of these kids. You know, they make up most of the national merit semifinalists for the state. They come back with awards galore. And now a message from our commercial supporters at BetterHelp, the online counseling service that helps people everywhere become happier and more productive. At BetterHelp.com, you'll connect with your professional licensed therapist in a safe, private, online environment using secure video, phone, online chat, or text. Anything you share is, of course, strictly confidential. While BetterHelp isn't a crisis line, new clients can start communicating with their counselor in under 24 hours. When self-help methods aren't enough and you seek professional counseling, BetterHelp can connect you to a network of thousands of licensed therapists. And you can switch therapists to make sure you get the right fit. Licensed counselors include specialists in sleep, trauma, family conflicts, LGBT matters, grief, and self-esteem. So many people are using BetterHelp that they're recruiting additional counselors in all 50 U.S. states. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling. There's no awkward waiting room, and you can message your BetterHelp counselor at any time. Financial aid is available in some cases. Join over 1 million others who are taking charge of their mental health by visiting BetterHelp, that's H-E-L-P, dot com. Quillette listeners get 10% off their first month service with the discount code Quillette. Just go to BetterHelp.com slash Quillette. And now, back to our podcast. When the mass media covers the awkward position that Asians are put in, often it's in the context of university admissions. And we've seen a couple of stories at elite schools, Harvard, Yale is now being sued. But what's interesting is that when the media goes out onto these campuses, again, this is at the university level, not at the high school level, and they're not talking to parents, they're talking to actual students. At some of these liberal universities and colleges, you have a lot of Asian students who say, yes, I support these diversity measures, even if it might decrease the number of Asian students. Tell me about the generational politics here, because your article was from a parent's perspective. What about the 20, the 25-year-olds, the recent high school graduates who go to university? They can count. They talk. They know what scores an Asian needs to get into the school or maybe someone who's white. I can see that most of the kids that are currently at TJ, so the oldest would be, you know, about 18, right? So they're running from 14 to about 18. They see through this politics and they are not lemmings to this ideas of critical race theory and discarding of Asians as minorities. 
But what we are facing, for example, at TJ is alumni that are the activists sabotaging the school. And those are people from their early 20s to 30s who are the the fodder for these critical race theory ideas in, on the college level. Like they're the guinea pigs, you know, uh, sent into the lab of critical race theory for the last decade while we've, you know, we've all been watching it, cancel culture. We all wondered, like, why is this happening? What's going on? Like it took me an education this summer to understand how much of this was rooted in this ideological movement. One of the interesting things about the article you've written, and I followed your Twitter account, there's this whole political battle taking place between two sets of parents. You've got the parents who are trying to protect TJ and the current system, and they're extremely well-educated, it sounds like in most cases. One of the interesting subplots is they went out and they crunched the numbers themselves so that the state education bureaucrats couldn't pull the wool over their eyes. On the other side, there's also a very well-educated and well-organized group of diversity proponents in opposition to you. And there's this whole cloak and dagger thing. At one point, someone was registering a, a website URL and redirecting traffic. It's almost tribal. There's clearly two different worldviews here about the best thing that kids need for education. I just had to laugh because, yeah, the cloak and dagger, like when I saw parents had created this group called Coalition for TJ, and the opposing group is called TJ Alumni Action Group. Their president literally went, we did a, you know, we're smart. So we did a who is search and she literally bought the coalition tj.org.com URLs and not only bought it, but then redirected. And we had one parent who donated to the opposing group. The fundamental difference that I could, if I was to boil it down to one word is merit. And then those who get fuzzy about that and actually believe that merit is a dirty word. Because we have families on our side from that are black, Hispanic, Chinese, Indian, white, you know, we have the whole range and, and they do too. But the dividing value would be the value of merit. Before I let you go, I want to make you uncomfortable with a politically incorrect question. Because I did seven years of engineering. I've been inside all kinds of schools as a student and a parent. This stereotype of Asian kids spending a lot of time on prep work and after school programs and having type A tiger mums, it's not entirely untrue. In Korea, the government has actually studied how to get people to freak out less about standardized tests and not ruin childhoods by having kids spend 30 or 40 hours a week in these prep schools. Some of that culture does filter into immigrant communities. Is there some truth to this stereotype that in certain cultural communities, there just is this ethic? And it's, it's obviously not a bad thing. It's connected to merit. It's connected to ambition. But both sides kind of dance around this. Is this something that concerns you? I would never dance around it. And like, it doesn't make me squirm because ultimately I'm unapologetic in feeling pride in that value system. It is the story of our families. Like my dad studied literally under a tree in India, right? To have shade during the hot summer months. And my mother wore a full face burqa, the, the face covering, to be able to study at the girls' college, you know, with permission from her conservative families. Everybody went to all ends to be able to get education. My dad came to this country with dollars in his pocket. 
I was the free and reduced lunch kid. You know, I was the English as second language kid. And Nancy Drew became my best friend. That's how I learned English and probably became such a pain in the ass, right, for school boards everywhere. That was the value that I was instilling in my son. I remember just about every moment that we sat at the dining table questioning him on this or that or or coaxing him through this or that. And, and that is our value that I think we should celebrate. There is ethos that is definitely about education as our pathway to advancement. Like kids that work since they were in you know, middle school and elementary school to play in the NBA or the NFL. Like we take it seriously. And I think that's a good value. It's not just about getting a job and getting a great pay. We're also infused with the value of giving back to society. Like, for example, the author of the Asian Tiger Mom caricature, her dad came to this country. He is one of our premier scientists on neural networks. He is one of the reasons why we have all of this development of artificial intelligence. And we can only have that if we value education, if we value the pursuit of these curious questions that we have about this world. If you want to read the article by Astronomani and Glenn Miller, it's called Rallying to Protect Admission Standards at America's Best Public High School. Thanks so much for being on the Quillette Podcast. Thank you so much. If you would like to support Quillette, please consider becoming a patron. Head to our Patreon page. That's patreon.com forward slash Quillette. If you haven't already, follow us on social media. We're on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Do you like what you're hearing? Perhaps you would like to read more about the issues in today's discussion. Head to Quillette.com where you will find more content.